So hello and welcome to the New Gig Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Hodgson, and today I'm delighted to be joined by freelancer Lauren Detweiler. How are you doing, Lauren? Doing great. How about you? I'm doing very well indeed, and it's great to have you on the program, and we'd love to hear a little bit about where you are now, what you're doing, and how you got into the freelancer lifestyle. Oh, good question. Uh, so I am currently in Berlin, Germany. I was born and raised in the U.S. and my freelancing really started in university. I had started to pick up some some projects and I don't think I knew that they were freelancing at that point. I thought I was just kind of working on the side. Um, but over the course of the last couple of years of university, I actually had some cool projects. I got hired by Jeff Moss to write my first ever article for Parker Dewey. I think you might know him. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's a great guy. And uh, from there, I, when I graduated, I moved to Tanzania and I was actually volunteering for six months and continued to yeah. do some freelance projects during that time, some pro bono, some for paid. Um, and it was around this time that I was planning to probably come back to the U.S. and get a real job, like you know people talk about. Um, people talk I, about I, that. They I, used to, yeah. They, they used to, yeah. I, I'm glad that I didn't. Uh, but I met a couple of of digital nomads on on my journey and mm. realized that that was you know a legitimate path for a life. Um, and so that was kind of when I decided to try and, and really do it for real and picked up more clients. And so I traveled full-time for about three years, uh, yeah. mostly in Eastern and Southern Africa, a lot of time in Europe, uh, Southeast Asia, and then had started on Latin America when COVID hit. So that one got cut short, but yeah. I, uh, I live in Berlin now. I moved here about a year ago and I am mostly in the copywriting and content strategy mm -hmm. space. I work yeah. with SaaS companies, uh, tech from you know, a whole range of startups, Microsoft. Um, and I, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the gist of it. I, I really love freelancing. It's been a, a great experience, but it's, I'm a little bit unique in that I I've never had the, the more corporate side. I went straight into freelance after, after graduating. Yeah. So. Well, say a little bit about the, you know, this is obviously a lifestyle choice as well as a career choice here, Lauren, that you, you, you've gone down and, Talk a little bit about the uh, some of the positive sides of it. I can see from 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 basically the traveling and the flexibility is obviously a great work from anywhere opportunity, but also maybe some of the downsides as well. What are the sort of the the, the things that uh, start to, to to jar a little bit after a while um, with this kind of the freelancing uh, lifestyle? With freelancing or with digital nomad? Because I, I like to separate them. Yeah, well, that's a great point. Speak about both, please. Yeah, because I think this is you, okay. you hit on a very important point. The digital nomad is a different thing from freelancing. Absolutely. It is. Yeah, maybe I'll talk on that one first. And I guess just if anyone doesn't know, um, digital nomad is essentially someone who works online and travels for all or part of the year. It could really be anyone. You know, I did a mix of freelance and full-time work. I was mostly international. My mom and stepdad are actually nomads as well, but they travel in the U.S., um, I've met families with small children. It can be anyone. Um, and the benefits and the downsides, I mean, obviously, you know, everybody thinks it's very glamorous and you're, you're traveling full time. So it's, it's a yeah. really amazing experience and you can work from anywhere you want, which is well with, <laughs> with border closures in mind during, during this time, but um, yeah. it's, it's a lot of freedom. It's a lot of uh, flexibility. I will say the downsides are not talked about enough because okay. it's, it is a very uh, isolating lifestyle. 
especially if you're a solo traveler, as I was, you know, you can, you can meet people, but it's, you know, you're on your own most of the time. Uh, It's, you have to be very disciplined with your work and Mm -hmm. work really hard to not get distracted by the fact that you're in a new city or on the beach or whatever, (laughs) you know, you still have to get your job done. So I would say that's not talked about enough is, is that side of things and, you know, not having a home living out of a bag. Um, it, it does get old. And I always say like, you know, when you're done and I knew when I was done. Um, and then on the freelance side benefits, I mean, I have been freelancing my whole career and I did some, some full-time work in there as well, but the, the flexibility of that as well, which is why it pairs well with, with being a digital nomad. Um, I really like having control over my day. I like being able to get better and more efficient at my job and have that affect how long I have to work rather than being tied to a specific number of hours in a day. That's always been really nice for me. I like being able to work with any clients that I want, um, having a range of projects and, you know, getting to try new things, but downsides, of course, less stable. Um, Most governments haven't quite figured out how to deal with freelancers yet. So healthcare is trickier. Right. Sometimes there's some taxation issues. Mm. It can be harder to like get a mortgage, those kinds of things. So there's, there's ups and downs to both. Mm, Absolutely. And I think this is really important advice for sort of anyone thinking of taking up this lifestyle and career choice as well, just to be able to think a little bit about these things that maybe were sort of taken for granted that it's not impossible, but you have to think a little bit more about it. And I think that you you really touched upon a a very important point here, Lauren, at the the beginning there, that uh, being a digital nomad doesn't mean that you only work two or three hours a day or two days a week, and the rest of the time you're just partying on the beach, just enjoying yourself. You need to be able to have the discipline to do hard work and be able to commit and and deliver impact and deliver value for your clients. There's no easy way around that. It's not a case of of choosing to avoid this. It's something that still you need to put in the hours and put in the effort. Yeah, that four-hour work week book really gave us a a very confusing <laughs> reputation because that is yeah. not at all what it is like. I think I worked more as a digital nomad than ever when I've been in one place. So yeah, absolutely. And this is the story we hear again and again, Lauren. It's it, it's not an easy option from that perspective. It gives you more flexibility, but there's uh, the, there's no way around the uh, putting in the hard yards uh, uh, and having the impact and and doing good work. So this is uh, yeah, a really important uh, element I think to be able to. Uh, to, to, to look at but talk us through a little bit the the change that you made you said you know you know when you're done you were traveling digital nomad lifestyle you realized that you know now is the time to be able to sort of find sort of a, a, a place to work from was this more sort of covid related or was it sort of finding berlin as the city that you wanted to uh, spend more time in that is a great question i i definitely during all of my travels was kind of keeping a mental list of the places I went that I could see myself uh, relocating to eventually. I knew I probably wouldn't do it forever. Mm. Um, And Berlin was on that list. So I, I was considering it already and had decided to move here probably November of 2019. uh, So before COVID and my plan was that I was going to kind of go through the next summer and that would be my last hurrah. And I was really excited to end in Latin America, which I haven't, hadn't been to before. Yeah. And then COVID hit while I was on 
a trip in Panama and I got stranded and almost couldn't make it back to Germany right. uh, and then ended up flying to the UK because their borders were open yeah. and got stuck there for four months <laughs> until I wow. finally was able to move back to Berlin. But mm. back to your question about uh, when you know, I, I think I got to the point where um, I was just over it. You know, the, the benefits didn't feel like as strong of benefits anymore. And I was, I was feeling really tired of moving around. I wasn't getting as excited about new places. And I okay. was really feeling the need to kind of ground myself and, uh, mm. and figure out what, what came next. But from one place, I, I missed having yeah. a bed of my own, a closet, <laughs> the, the, basics. Um, the basics. So I, I was pretty ready to be done, but I know a lot of people who go for, you know, decades and, and they're never over it. So maybe it just depends on the person. I think it probably does. And I think great to be in tune with yourself. You know what you want and what the, uh, you know, different times in your life um, that, that that require different things. But mm-hmm. if we sort of, you know, sort of uh, take uh, zoom out a little bit from this, I mean, you know, what would you say about sort of digitalization and how it's transforming the world of work? Uh, speak a little bit about the, um, the opportunities that are being created. And obviously the fact that you can have this freelancing lifestyle, uh, uh, you can uh, choose your projects and the technology and the systems are in place to be able to bring work and uh, potential employers together to be able to uh, find the right people to deliver the, the, the value and the impact that they're looking for. That is an interesting question. I, I think that people probably really realize how much the digitalization in general of the economy has has shifted things during COVID because yeah. so many people worked from home and, and were able to continue to right. be productive even mm-hmm. from from Zoom calls and you know all of our online platforms. So I I have always worked from home. I've always worked remotely and yeah. I I have been excited to see how much it's improving in the last couple of years, how many new tools there are, yeah. how much uh, companies and clients and other freelancers that I collaborate with are, are more willing to do that. I've actually never met any of my clients in person. So right. if that's not a testament to, yeah. to digitalization being a benefit for freelancers, I don't know what is. Mm, absolutely. And how, how would you find your projects? How do you find your gigs uh, and your work? Is it word of mouth? Is it via platforms? What's the what, what what's the sort of the uh, the route or the combination that you use to find uh, to, to find activities? It's changed a lot over time. Uh, mm. When I first started, I had no idea what I was doing, so I had a couple of clients that I think mostly found me through LinkedIn, um, okay. and I I didn't I, again. I was just I was confused. I didn't have mentors that were uh, the same age as me in freelancing. It was just very rare at the time, so. Yeah. Now I tend to work mostly from referrals. Uh, I, I built up a good client base and I work mostly on retainers. So I have a few clients that I have ongoing. Um, it's kind of like having several part-time jobs at the same time. Yeah. But yeah, I, I know a lot of people have really great luck with platforms. That has never been something that has been on my radar just because I, I'm at capacity with, with referrals, but I know that yeah. other people work exclusively through, through Upwork or, or others and, and it works great for them. So I think it's just all about finding what works for you. Yeah. Okay. We're finding the right platform and work. And it's interesting that LinkedIn are actually getting into this space 
uh, mm-hmm. in the, the coming months launching this service. So obviously there's the, the platform and the base is already there to make these things uh, happen. And, you know, would you say that f- from your own perspective, are you sort of branding yourself uh, to, to, to get these referrals as well? Or what, what kind of uh, uh, sort of image building communications about your work and services do you, do you uh, have to get involved in? I don't do enough of that, to be honest. Uh, I, I consider the whole branding side, obviously I work in marketing, so I know how important it is. And I know a lot yeah. of freelancers do a lot more of that public image stuff on yeah. social media and website and all of that to find new clients. I would say because I work from referrals, my image is that I'm good at my job. And so right. like, if I do well in a project, then that is image that I'm showing that client. And that is why they refer me to their own colleagues, their own connections. And okay. so I, I think it kind of depends, again, it goes back to where you're finding your clients mm-hmm. and that will kind of dictate the type of branding that you need to do. I focus a lot more on, on the work itself and yep. on, uh, on building up connections with other freelancers and, and that kind of thing rather than the social media. And I also am very introverted and I hate selling myself. So that side okay. of things is never going to work <laughs> as well for me as, uh, as just working with people and showing them that I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And it's very interesting you say that because there's this kind of image out there that to be a successful freelancer, you need to be a very sort of uh, outgoing, gregarious individual. You need to be constantly selling yourself. You need to be visible across all social media channels and websites. Uh, but I think it's great to, that, that you're giving this uh, uh, viewpoint and the insights that actually focusing on good work. Uh, and it means there is a, there's an opportunity for different character types as well to be able to choose this path. Yeah, definitely. I actually, I listened to an episode you did with Matt Coatney. Um, yeah. Both of the Matts I know because I helped them with the, with the go-to-market for their book before they were yeah. launching that. And you talked to him as well about the the idea of mm. introversion and freelancers. I I think that it can be always in, in business in general and work in general, but especially with freelancing, a real benefit. I mean, mm. I'm not someone that goes out and posts videos on, on uh, social media selling my services or um, does a lot of cold calling or that kind of thing, because that's just not who I am. Mm. But at the same time, being introverted, you know, I, I tend to be more intentional with what I say. I listen a lot more, which is very helpful when you're trying to understand what a client needs. And so, you know, I think, I think you're right. I think that freelancers probably are often thought of as these like very outgoing salesy people which yeah. some are, and it works great for them. But again, mm-hmm. it's just, it's all about using your personality and your your specific way of doing things and building the life around that rather than the other way around. Yeah, absolutely. So basically the same that could be said for the regular economy can be said for the freelancing world as well. There is, there is a place for all shapes and sizes, different character types uh, and different individuals can still find a, a home and find success uh, in the sector. So that's, uh, I think that's really interesting and also very encouraging. And, you know, if we talk a little bit about the people that you meet, your fellow uh, uh, freelancers, uh, uh, friends and colleagues within this sector, would you say that the sort of the mindset is changing? Are people uh, in the, sort of the broader sphere actually accepting this as a, as a legitimate uh, uh, lifestyle choice is a legitimate way to be uh, to be uh, living your life and actually working. 
Absolutely. I mean, I think in general, everyone who's been freelancing and sticks with it is probably sticking with it for a reason because they love the lifestyle. Uh, Mm -hmm. Outside of freelancers, I think a lot of people are are coming around not only to that, but to other non-traditional forms of work in general. Yeah. You know, this this trend was happening already, but it was absolutely accelerated by COVID. And yeah. uh, like we said, so many people doing a different way of working during the pandemic and maybe people experienced their employers during a time of crisis and didn't like what they saw. Mm. Uh, maybe they had the issue of many teams have their perks are in person, you know, in-person offices have the office itself, the team dynamics, you have meetups, you have travel, whatever your perks are. And so a lot of places haven't gotten those back. And so people are wondering whether it's, it's yeah. worth it anymore, you know, and especially yeah. organizations that are hybrid or fully remote now and haven't quite caught their benefits up or figured out how to effectively yeah. support employees. It's going to make people feel unappreciated. So a lot of them are leaving. Right. Um, yeah. Obviously we're yeah. seeing that with this whole, the great resignation. Uh, I, I don't know any of the, the numbers for Europe, but I did hear it. it was something like over 15 million Americans left their jobs between I think April and July of this year, right. which is insane. It's yeah. a huge number. Mm. Uh, and it shows that people have changing standards and had maybe some time to think during COVID about what they really want. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of those people switched to freelance and uh, maybe that's why there's so many job openings still. Yeah, so the nine to five world is, if not disappearing, it's changing and people are demanding more. And this probably means that employers uh, as well, that traditional companies and organizations need to have a freelancer strategy because if more people are making this choice, they need to find uh, new ways of integrating people as well, maybe on sort of shorter term contracts, very specific skills that they're looking for and not trying to uh, uh, shoehorn everyone into the old model of uh, uh, a nine to five work. You travel in, uh, we pay you nine to five, five days a week uh, as an exclusive contract. There's a much mm-hmm. more uh, diverse uh, and a much more interesting way of uh, uh, getting the, the value from individuals to deliver deliver skills, products, and, uh, and, and, and ideas for organizations. Yeah, and I think it's mutually beneficial too because mm. companies that are bringing in freelancers are hiring experts that are very specific to whatever service it is that they're looking for. You know, you're not hiring a generalist and not that all yeah. employees are generalists, but you can bring someone in on a very agile basis. Uh, and it's also financially mutually beneficial to mm. both. Yeah. Typically, hiring freelancers is going to cost less because you don't have to pay benefits or any of that. And from a freelance perspective, you know, anecdotally, I've heard a lot of people say that uh, maybe if they work in professional services for an employer, they find out how much they're being billed out to clients for. And then they're (laughs) wondering why they can't just do that themselves without the the intermediary that takes the cut. Um, So I think, you know, it's, it's got mutual benefits on both sides and, and companies are starting to come around to that, but it's obviously very tricky, especially with larger enterprises to have that set up where, you know, there's processes in place and they have to worry about legal compliance yeah. and all of these things. So it's yeah. tricky for sure, but there's, there's a lot of organizations and, and cool new platforms that are coming out that are trying to help with that. Yeah. And I think you're right in that. I think the future, you know, we're just starting on the opportunities because the demand's there. 
there's going to be new uh, processes, new organizational structures to be able to meet this need. We just need to make sure that the regulation and the policy uh, catches up and, uh, and doesn't uh, hinder uh, uh, this movement, which is ongoing at the moment. Yeah, I, I think the policy side, you obviously know a lot more from your work on, especially in, in the EU, and I would love to hear what you think is going on there and where it's headed. But yeah. there's there's one big, uh, big pivotal moment that I think we haven't quite gotten to yet, which is when are people going to decide if there are different types of freelancers, different types of gig workers, and if we're going to separate those? Because I know you've talked about this before, but it's a very different thing to be a freelancer that's offering a service that you do from your laptop versus yeah. someone who is a gig writer for yeah. Uber Eats or something like that. Both yeah. very respectable jobs, but they definitely don't necessarily need to be treated the same in terms of taxation. Because for example, with the PRO Act, I, everybody has their own opinions on this. I totally understand wanting to uh, support gig workers that are more in that, the rider space, the drivers, mm. um, and, and give them more benefits and, and a, a more stable uh, source of income and, and all of that. But at the same time, some of this legislation is also hindering the ability of other types of freelancers to do their work in the way that they're used to and the way that they've built their business. So I think there's going to be a reckoning coming up where we have to try and figure out how to separate those things, if at all, uh, and, and figure out how to support various kinds of freelancers because, you know, there's not just one type. Yeah, and exactly. And I think the, the, the work that we're doing is to really understand but also educate for politicians decision makers and the and the broader society that you know there is not one size fits all we have people on mopeds delivering pizzas but we also have architects lawyers models uh, uh musicians it's such a, a broad range of uh individuals we put into the platform economy the future of freelancing that it's important to be able to understand that before putting policy in place and one of the big things that we do uh, particularly in a, in a european context is to make sure that when we're talking about sort of platform workers rights which is being discussed at the moment uh or going through sort of data the new data act um uh, the uh, the uh, uh, work around uh, AI and algorithms is to make sure that uh, we put into place the protections and make sure that the harness the power of the platform economy for the future absolutely but let's not kill the technology and particularly in a European context this mentality that we have to try and uh, slay the big American giants uh, because they're sort of destroying our uh, civilization, which is is definitely overplayed. And I think just by trying to uh, stop the, uh, the, uh, the the large players, what's happening is that policy and legislation is being formed, which actually hits European uh, SMEs, European operators and the, the, the technology companies who are offering these new services and uh, ideas which will bring forward freelancing, the platform economy and the gig economy and bring it to the next level. So it's really to have this understanding before uh, you, 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 you act. And it's a case of let's uh, uh, aim and fire as opposed to fire then, then, then aim, uh, which can be a little <laughs> bit the case at the moment. So it's, uh, it's collaboration, it's dialogue to be able to put the right framework in place. And that's, that's cru crucial what we're doing. And I think that the same thing in the US, the PRO Act, uh, again, has a lot 
leaves a lot to be desired. And I think with proper consultation and really understanding uh, the nuances of the sector uh, would uh, really have helped much more in that. But, uh, you know, I think dialogue is essential, but it's new. There's going to be mistakes. Uh, there's going to be uh, changes need to be made as we go forward on this. But the uh, the kind of the genie's out of the bottle. Things are going to happen anyway. We might as well try and sort of control it and, 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 and harness it in the right way as opposed to trying to... Uh, um, limit it because that's not going to happen. Yeah, there's there's really no good answer. There's no right answer. It's yeah. not a black and white issue. And so I'm not, glad that no. there are that there are experts that are have experienced the freelance world themselves that are advising governments on this. Mm. Uh, but it's it's going to be a long process. I'm very interested to see how it shakes out. Obviously, it affects me. So yeah, um, especially <laughs> the, the EU regulations. Yeah, exactly. So it'll it'll be interesting. But um, I think I think we'll start to maybe see some movement in the next couple of years and have a better idea of where things are going to be going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Lauren, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Thanks for sharing your insights uh, and also. The, the 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 hints and tips about what to think about in terms of uh, uh, going through this lifestyle and uh, uh, and hopefully it's inspired a few more people to uh, uh, take the leap or to try it just as you know a few side gigs to begin with before they sort of uh, jump into the cold water of the the full time freelance uh, 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 world uh, but to give them a flavour for what's possible and uh, and where it can take them. Absolutely. I highly recommend it. It's a great lifestyle. Not for everyone, but it doesn't hurt to try it out. So thanks for having me. This is great. Doesn't. We'll speak again soon, Lauren. Thank you.